So I'm back firmly in uh, the Northern California area, and I, and I have a lot of questions or things that I want your clarification on. That's that's what I'm here for. So when I was in Seattle or um, last week, eighty uh, percent of every human being in that city was wearing a Seahawks thing. Oh, God. So we we know like that I'm not a big fan of football. If if that's your thing, then then good for you. But like maybe I'm just spoiled that san francisco and the bay like the greater bay area is um like it's me it's much more of a baseball town than a football town i think is that a fair assessment uh it, i don't know it probably depends you, or you is do it or see... is it just skewed because like the past three years the 49ers have been really bad i think that has a lot to do with it but i would say even still you see a lot of 49ers and, and raiders gear around yeah, actually, that's probably kind of true. But it, but it seems like the default to like if you're if you're going to leave your house and you're going to wear something sportsy, <laughs> the official term, um, just randomly throughout the like the year, it seems like it's probably some some black and orange or well, it's going to be some giant stuff. Yeah, the the black giants cap with the the orange logo is kind of a, a default hipster San Francisco look. Hipster. Mm. Well, that's you, you know what I mean. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll come back to that. Yeah, but like but in 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 Seattle like everyone was wearing Seahawks stuff and you if you can explain a couple of things for me cuz I did not realize that cuz when I was down there or when I was up there um I went to a Mariners game and also I did not think that the Mariners had any fans like outside like in in California I had never ever seen anybody wearing a Mariners jersey where generally you do see people, people like walking around here with like Cubs stuff and Yankees and Red Sox but yeah no Mariners stuff. But I did not know that um, Safeco Field, where they play, and Century Century Link Field, where the Seahawks play, are literally like ten feet apart. That you know that happens a lot, where you'll be watching either a, a football game or a baseball game, and it'll be one of the nationally televised games where they've got like the blimp, the, the aerial coverage. Yeah, and they'll zoom out, and it'll be like, oh, <laughs> there's another stadium right there. Because I know, like Oakland, kind of has that, but that but basketball and baseball seem to make more sense, kind of if they're going to be right next to each other. But having two like open roof things, like I don't that that just seems so strange. But my my question about the Seahawks is what what is the number twelve mean? <sighs> I can't believe you're making. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this again. Like, it, and I and I preface this with the fact that football doesn't matter, and specifically, even though I don't care, the Seahawks seem like a really bad team. I'm sure, like on paper and like in wins, they're a good team, but they seem like a bad team. Yeah, we. But every, we, everything we was them. everything was like hashtag we are twelve, and it like just nonsense all over the place. So please explain. So uh, as a 49ers fan, it's it's killing me that you're making me talk about the Seahawks, but but I'll indulge you. So there are 11 players on the field for your on the offensive side and the defensive side of the football at any given time. And so the 12th man is the the fans. The fans are the kind of 12th player. And they're the only team that's latched onto that concept. Well, it's funny you mention that because I the, the details fail me now, but they actually got sued for for using that um um phrase there was some i think college team that had been previously using it and they ended up settling outside of court where the seahawks got to continue using it but but no they're they're not the only team or, or the first team to come up with that but they're the ones who 
I guess have kind of taken ownership of it. I vaguely remember from college, which I hate to acknowledge was started a decade ago. Uh, please, please remind uh, everybody that. I, we've... Well, I've been, I've been getting you. You and I talked about this off air. Oh, that's we've, how I getting... changed my phone number about the alumni association. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was, I was going to mention that um, we've been getting a lot of the like ten and eleven year Facebook anniversary notifications. <laughs> oh yeah. <sighs> Anyway, so, but uh, related to that, I could have sworn, and again, I also don't know anything about basketball either, or I know very little. Uh, what was something? It's either the fifth or the seventh man. Is that a thing in the basketball? Sixth, sixth man, but well, but in <laughs> the law of averages, Everybody, but in, <laughs> if you just half the difference, I'm right. In basketball, it actually has a a, a much more meaningful definition where you. There, there's the sixth man of the year, which is the best player who comes off the bench in any given season. And each team sort of has like their sixth man, which is sort of their their best bench player, which is usually a pretty important role on a team. Uh, don't they always cycle people on the bench? Like isn't isn't a basketball team like 15 people, but only five get to play at a time? Am I not? Am I mistaken? No, you're right. But generally speaking, the your starting five remains largely the same. So wait, so you're saying there's just one person, like the the guy who's deemed to be the sixth most good. Yes, it gets the acclaim. Right, that's weird. Well, but there, well, but there are also certain players who just play better off the bench. Like guys, like uh, Manu Ginobili on the Spurs has been this way forever, where he could easily start on just about any team but for most of his career maybe even all of his career he's come off the bench and that that's just been sort of his his mo as you would say so when you come off the bench does that mean you play less time overall but you play you do you play like maybe fewer minutes overall but you play like at more critical spots and, i mean that... not not necessarily some some bench guys especially um six man of the year candidates will end up playing just as much if not more than the starters but then the second part of what you said is def- definitely true, where it's pretty often the case that if you're a starter, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be playing uh, in crunch time, again, as you would say. I don't say any of these words. Uh-huh. Um, all I say is customer sat all day. Uh-huh. Uh, Mariners Field, or, or sorry, uh, Safeco Field, very low customer sat. Hmm. It was it was fine. Um, oh, it's, it, tickets were super cheap. I got... Uh, Okay, this is another thing. God, this is going to be all sports. Uh, StubHub. I still can't uh, get myself to use SeatGeek. I don't know why. It feels it feels like the Kijiji versus Craigslist. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, a 20, a $23 tickets, uh, like the third row, uh, in not like center field, but like close to the uh, home team dugout. Pretty pretty solid seats. Well, that was kind of when we when we first moved up here, the A's were particularly bad, and I used to make it a, a pretty regular habit to go to at least one um, A's Angels game a year when they were up here. And I was either our first or second year up here. I got I think second row behind the dugout for yeah about like twenty five thirty dollars. Yeah, it's it's pretty good, uh, but then you do have to be on high alert for foul balls though. 
which yeah, which is less which is less fun because I was out there taking pictures with a very expensive camera, <laughs> um, and I was like, oh shit, this is a bad idea. Uh, which we should also talk about. Man, all right. Yeah, yeah. We I would let, let, for real this time. Let's come back to that. Um, God, seriously, you got camera rentals are a really bad idea. Well, can can we can we get into that? Is, or is that a, is that a topic for later? You you mentioned this off air, and I've been curious. I think. Hold, on, I gotta let's 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 get this let's get all the sports crap out of the way um sorry not crap it's a very expensive uh valuable industry it's our it's our primary export as americans Mm -hmm. so we don't don't make anything here Mm -mm. uh so do you do you have any background there's this thing that seemed kind of like the perfect um troll bait for apple nerds like uh like if if you're in that like intersection of you enjoy baseball for whatever reason and you like apple stuff it seems like the new york times had like some exposé that was just tailor made for you wherein allegedly the red Sox uh used apple watches to, <laughs> to cheat against the yankees so what actually happened well so i i actually don't think you need to be politically correct here and use the term allegedly i i believe the article s- says that when approached by Major League Baseball, the the Red Sox were like, "Yep, yeah, yeah, we've been doing this. You 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 caught us." Um, so essentially, what's it's it's pretty simple actually. So, as you know, in the last couple of years, instant replay has become a big part of baseball, and as part of that, there have I believe been additional cameras installed in a lot of stadiums. And each team has at least one, maybe more people who are in charge of watching from these kind of instant replay booths so that when a challenge comes up, they're ready to make a call to the dugout whether or not a questionable call is worth challenging. And evidently what the Red Sox were doing was using their instant replay personnel to use their um, cameras that that they're monitoring from to look for uh, signs that the catcher is giving to the pitcher for for the upcoming pitch. And what they would then do is send a message to a coach in the dugout, uh, specifically send a message to their Apple Watch, who could then relay some type of hand signal or otherwise to the players on the field. But how would that get to the person at bat who seems like the only person that information is relevant to? So really the the best way or the easiest way for this to happen, and this is the way the article calls out, is when the Red Sox would have a runner on second, the instant replay coach, person, whoever, would send a message to a coach in the dugout's Apple Watch, who would then send a hand signal to the runner at second, who then, because they're in eyesight of the batter, could then relay that message directly to the batter. Hmm. That does seem like something a New Englander would do. Well, and that's, you know, that that's sort of been the underlying narrative around the story is that, um, you know, going back to football for a minute, the New England Patriots were caught uh, a decade ago filming other teams during practice, during their, their practice sessions mm-hmm. and picking up on plays. Yeah, so, the Belichick special. <laughs> right, right. It is the... Is Bill Belichick also the one that deflates, or is it? Is that the same team? <laughs> yeah, that that is the same team. Yeah. Okay. 
But that that whole thing was BS, right? It was. Yeah. Okay, but it's but it's the same team, and, and football's bad, so therefore it's okay. Mm-hmm. The ends justify the means. Right. Yes. Uh, famous political uh, tool. But yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe the Giants should invest in some Apple Watches. No, they, they they no no, they adopted Android Wear this season, and that's why this is the way it is. So you know what? The one thing I and you know. I don't know if you if you notice this, but I, I definitely do. When I, and and I I totally say this uh, from the perspective of like a a technology elitist, I guess is what we'll call we'll call ourselves here. Whenever uh, there's hmm. well, because when, whenever there's an article like this, which is written towards a non tech audience, they they don't go into nearly the amount of technical detail that you would want them to, which is which is probably the right decision in the grand scheme of things. But for someone like me who is really interested in the tech angle of this. Um, you, you want it written like an Ars Technica article rather than a New York Times article. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot that's left unanswered here. The the biggest of which is, I I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Major League Baseball has banned iPhones or any other cellular devices from the dugout, and that they might be able to use iPads in the dugout, but that they have to be in airplane mode or they have to be like non-cellular versions with wi-fi disabled something like that well so what was the deal with that because remember um there was that whole thing where like oh microsoft is is sponsoring football and they have services everywhere um but then uh mlb made a deal with apple for ipad pros in the dugout that was a whole thing right yeah, but I, I guess now that I'm even thinking about it out live here, I mean, out loud here, rather, <laughs> out, out live, um, whether the iPads were cellular or not doesn't make any difference because uh, Apple Watches don't connect to iPads. So anyway, so kind of scratch that thought. And, I, and I, I believe that as part of that iPad deal, it was made clear that teams are not allowed to have cell phones in the dugout. So assuming that that's true... I'm not exactly sure how these Apple Watches would have been able to receive the messages being sent. Like, does that imply that they were also keeping iPhones that they weren't supposed to have in the dugout? I have no idea. This this seems I don't know. That's a fun story. How how are the Red Sox doing? Like, are they even like in playoff contention? Where like you have um, a reason to feel like this this is. A scandal worth watching. They are in first place in the AL East. Hey, that's we we found what's going to replace a shot on iPhone for Apple's <laughs> next big. Well, so hold on, how are they doing this? Are they using digital touch? Like, are they the only people using, um, like the heartbeat feature on the watch? Like, what what is going on? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they can they can shoot some type of commercial for Apple. Yeah, actually, who I don't I honestly don't know who plays on the Red Sox. I can't think of one player now that Sandoval is not on there anymore. Cespedes still play for them, or is that did they go to the Mets? He went to the Mets. Got it. Um, yeah. Okay, let's let's move on to some some actual stuff because this is taking longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. Who who knew uh, healthcare could be this hard? Right. Um, uh, follow up. I have one bit. Uh, apparently Domino's, this was from a couple episodes ago, uh, Domino's is teaming up with Ford to have self-driving pizza delivery vehicles. Yeah, and this is follow-up in the sense that it uh, continues the uh, the narrative that we've shared on this show, which is that 
Domino's continues to be a leader in technological innovation. Sure, but then what I'm interested in, at least in the Bay Area, is are they going to have are they going to turn all these uh, Ford Chariot vans into combo <laughs> Domino's DXPs? Oh, that's that's such a good idea. No, it's not. Some 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 BD person over at Chariot needs to get you on the phone. ASAP. No, what they're gonna do is is turn this into like a, a an Uber pool situation or like whatever the thing where Amazon makes people deliver packages for them, where they're gonna give you like fifty cents off each Chariot ride if you deliver a pizza on your way home. <laughs> so so the the one thing about this this Domino's thing, which which we'll we'll put a uh, link to the notes in for, is there's still gonna be a person in the the driver's seat in these cars, but the customer who walks out to the car to pick up their pizza is not expected to interact with this person in any way. <laughs> so I'm not really sure sort of what the um, the protocol is there. Do you, do you pretend the person's not there? Do you say hello? You, you know what I mean? That, that seems, that, that seems problematic. You just like, you tap twice on the, on the side door, like it's a cab saying, <laughs> Um, I, I have no idea. This, this man, the next five to 10 years, it could be awkward. And then do you, I mean, so then, you know, taking this a little bit further, I mean, do you, do you tip this person? Do you, do you not tip this person because they weren't actually the one driving the car, but they're still sitting there, which is still taking the same amount of their time. So there's a lot of, a lot of questions here. Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, good, good, good job for Domino's. I, I still. Can't can't bring myself to eat your pizza, but it's okay. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah. Um, and we've already I've already have you on the record about the the wood fired pizza thing. Uh, do you? I hope so. Meaning that wood fired pizza is genuine is is categorically bad. Hmm. No, I, I don't. I don't think you have me on the record around that. Would you like to go on the record, or do you disagree? I, th- I mean, I think I disagree. Huh. Okay. I didn't know this was going to be the last episode of the show, but I, I guess <laughs> here we are. No, we we just, in fact, on uh, Monday over the long uh, the holiday weekend here, we we were up uh, up north and went to a, a pizza place that I, I forget what the name the, the style of pizza. There was a specific name for this, but it was pizza that was put in a nine hundred degree oven for a relatively short period of time. So therefore so therefore it was it was devoid of flavor. The crust was half burnt and charred, but that adds to the flavor. It's like it's like tannins for pizza, which is which is it's it's ruining the experience. Oh I had I had a very nice glass of red wine along along with it. So uh you might as well just dunk the crust in the red wine. <laughs> I, ooh, that's not not a bad idea. Okay. Um do you have any other follow-up, or do you want to get right into the Apple stuff? I, I think we got a lot to get into here. Okay. All right. Lead the way. So this is going to be our last opportunity to, or last of many opportunities to speculate on Apple's upcoming event, which is going to be on Tuesday. And as you know, as any listener would know, we record on Wednesday, so we'll have a, a recap show next week. Um, but this is going to be our last chance to get in any sort of last-minute predictions or thoughts before next week's event which in a lot of ways i feel like we've we've kind of covered pretty extensively i as i've you know repeatedly said on the show there's just no hope in the world of apple ever keeping anything secret ever again 
and it really does feel like each year we know more and more about these events before they happen and this year has certainly been an example of that yeah but let's 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 run down the list anyway or not not the list but let, whatever the biggies are cuz i think this actually might be more contentious than you you'd imagine well so i would i would you know i would even say that we could probably predict the order so I know Jason Snell did that really good article. I think it was before WWDC um, where he sort of basically wrote an article about how the keynote was going to go before it happened. And I think we could kind of do something similar for Tuesday's event where I think it's very likely that the keynote's going to start with the 4K Apple TV. And as we talked about on last week's show, I think that's going to come alongside some type of partnership with Disney to release some of their content, probably Star Wars, on four, in 4K rather for the first time. I think that'll be followed up with the LTE Apple Watch, which will include some features in watchOS 4 that in some way leverage the additional LTE functionality. And sort of fingers crossed that we get some sort of better podcasting solution um, I don't know if they'll call that out on stage, but I'm at least hoping that alongside that we'll, we'll get a way to to better listen to podcasts using the watch as a standalone device. Really? I hope so. That's more that, that's more wish that's more everything I've set up to this point I think is is probably what's going to happen, but that point specifically is a little bit more uh wish casting. So with that, do you think it would be exclusive? Well, it, I'm, I'm sure it would be. Would you think it'd be exclusive to the Apple or to the Apple Podcast app? And if that were the case, would you actually switch to that from whatever you use now? I've I've been thinking those exact questions, and I, I yes, I, I do think that it's going to be exclusive to the podcast app. And the reason I think that is because Marco Arment's been public about saying that he's actually taken away some functionality in Overcast because of restrictions put in watch os4 which makes me think that apple podcast is going to be kind of the way you have to go and watch os4 well and to clarify on that it's they haven't been restrictions it's been um features and and methodologies that he used to do it kind of half-assed or not half-assed not for lack of trying but was implemented as the best he could but it still wasn't very elegant um but those things were kind of deprecated so it's not that it was restricted. It's just using that he wasn't using tools that were appropriate for the job, but those were the best things available. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and then I think we all know what the event's going to wrap up with, which are three new iPhones, two of which are incremental upgrades to the phones that we have now, meaning that they're going to largely look and feel similar. I think some of the the key differences are going to be wireless charging, a glass back, and then, of course, all the standard, you know, faster processor, better camera, et cetera, et cetera. So you think the 7S or the 8 or whatever it is, the, the refreshed iPhone 7s, you think those get wireless charging too? Oh, that, that's, that's been confirmed, yeah. Um, hmm. Do you think Apple calls it wireless charging? No. I bet they, they, I bet they, have, a, they, I bet they have a similar to, like, retina screen. I bet they have a very marketable term that they use for it. But when they're describing it, do you think they say wireless charging ever, or do you think they say inductive or like contact charging or some bullshit like that? I think that, yeah, I think, I don't think they refer to it as wireless charging. Okay. Um, and then of course we'll get the, the, um, 
the iPhone, the the top, the third kind of top of the line iPhone. Um, we don't need to go over the features or what's going to be included. I think that's been pretty well documented at this point. But what I'll put out there as not a completely original thought, but as something that's maybe not quite as confirmed because it's not hardware related, which is, so I think that the two incremental upgrades are going to be the 7S and the 7S Plus. And then I think that the third top of the line iPhone is going to be the iPhone edition, which pains me to say, because I absolutely loathe that name, but I, I think that's what they're going to go with. And I'll put this out there too. I completely disagree with Gruber. And I think they're going to lean really heavy into this being the 10th anniversary of the iPhone and that this is not like an anniversary edition, but it, it, they're going to very much include the idea of this being the 10th anniversary of the iPhone and that they will refer to that when they talk about this phone. Gruber's been adamant that that's not going to be the case, but I, I vehemently disagree with that. And I, I think that they're that they're very much going to lean into the fact that this is the the 10th anniversary of the iPhone and that that's part of what makes this top of the line iPhone special. Huh. Okay. So, yeah, I kind of I, I I do agree with you in in that they I don't think this so most of what's going to be interesting about this event is going to be the framing of how all this comes about. Because like you are totally right in that very little of it's a surprise due to the firmware leaks and due to the supply chain uh, hardware leaks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, how, how, it's, how it's sold and how it's framed is going to be the most interesting part. And, and the naming and that kind of stuff is, is really interesting too. But yeah, I, I think you, they with a product like this, like they, they, I don't think they they forego the opportunity to make a big deal out of it being its 10th anniversary. Or at least I think even if it's not called like iPhone X or I like, or like the, the 10th anniversary edition or anything like that, because those seem too on the nose. I think a decent chunk of the keynote does get spent, like spinning this whole tale of, of um, Johnny in his white room saying uh, the, the iPhone eight pro or the iPhone eight edition. I, I can't do it in English accent. Um, is is the distillation of pure engineering excellence based off our 10 years of refining and perfecting the smartphone, the industry that we created, like a whole bunch of BS like that. So I think that is totally what's going to happen. As for the name, I mean, I, I think addition has like, it, it has been cataloged at length, my my distaste for what kind of fuck you product the, the uh, Apple Watch edition was. Um, so I, I, I don't think they use that name. I, I really don't. I think they have enough self-awareness about that, even though with the Series 2 Apple Watch edition, they tried to backtrack it and make it just be a premium edition of the product, not like this ultra premium fashion th status symbol thing. Um, so I don't think they use that here. I think it's probably just going to be iPhone Pro or, um, yeah, I, 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 I really don't think they call it edition. But I do think they make a big to do about the tenth edition thing. No, I think you're totally right. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Gruber's even gone as far as to say that he is. He'd be concerned about Apple if that's the way they frame the device, which I'm not entirely sure I understand. Um, and he hasn't. He hasn't really elaborated on why he'd be concerned about that. But 
if my prediction's true, we're going to have plenty of opportunity for him to explain that. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the pro name, and I, I do agree that that's the next logical choice. But I don't, there's just something different about the iPhone where compared to the MacBook and the iPad where there's and this is obviously not everyone who buys either a MacBook Pro or an iPad Pro is what Apple in, in air quotes would consider a pro. But at least on paper, there's a very clear split in the consumer base where you could very clearly articulate why or who would want a MacBook Pro and who would want an iPad Pro compared to the the non-pro counterparts of those devices. So but with that I disagree a little bit though. Because like you see a lot of people who waffle on the idea of like a lot of people who are buying laptops because none of the laptops except for the 899 MacBook Air are are terribly inexpensive. So people will go like do I want the low powered MacBook or do I want the really powerful but heavier and larger MacBook Pro? I don't know. I think they're different. I think they might be different questions. But sorry, okay, please continue. Maybe, but I, I I just think that there's clearly a way that you could split those consumers. Like to be a little bit more specific, maybe with the MacBook Pro, you can clearly say that that's a product that's aimed at, you know podcasters that's aimed at video producers music producers sort of i guess content creators as you would say and then i would say that the ipad pro is clearly aimed at people who want to actually use the ipad for productivity whereas putting the pro moniker on the iphone i'm just not really sure like what that story is like i'm not really sure that this top of the line iPhone is going to be framed in such a way where they say, hey, there's all this different type of stuff you can do with the iPhone that you can't do with the regular iPhone. I think it's going to be much more about, you know, hey, this is a much higher quality screen. It's a screen that goes edge to edge. It's a phone that's going to unlock even quicker than your previous iPhones have done. It's going to be more about being better at what it already does. And I'm not really sure that that holds the pro name that the same way that the iPad or the MacBook do. Okay, I think that might be potentially true. Yeah, uh, that I think is, is still a wild card. I don't, I don't think you're completely off base in thinking that addition might be a logical way that they go with it, but I, I'm, I don't see it. But also, I I totally agree that pro, like it does it doesn't. There's not that same delineation in use case as there is with an iPad or a, a laptop. And like I, I, that's that's totally fair. Yeah, and I, and I think it's going to be. I guess maybe to even clarify a bit more, I I think it's going to be iPhone edition, but it's going to be sort of not edition the way that we thought about it with the Apple Watch. I, I think it's really going to be basically. This is the iPhone 10th anniversary edition. Like that would be sort of the long form version of the name. And the, but that on paper, it's just going to be iPhone edition. But, but, but what that really means behind the scenes is that really means iPhone 10th anniversary edition. Maybe. So 
Yeah. And, I, and, and, I, and also, to further back this up, it, it's absolutely no coincidence that this is going to be the first keynote in the Steve Jobs Theater on Apple's new campus. I, I interpret that as another big sign that they're going to lean really, really heavy into the idea that this is it's been 10 years of iPhone. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's that's probably true. But on this note, can we can we maybe do kind of a just discuss more broadly, kind of how we how do you think Apple sells? So, so in a sentence, can you please define for me what the iPhone edition is? So we have we're going to have the seven S or the eight or whatever it's called. That's the just the the iterative. It's what you already know. It's the same thing we've done out the past 10 years where there's there's a version that's 30% better and that's what that is and it slots in at the same price point. So give me the one to two sentence thing on what the iPhone edition is. Man, that's that's tough. Exactly right. Because I think I like, apologize I feel, for setting you up to fail. No, but. no, that's that's okay. I I feel I feel pretty good about everything I've thrown out there so far, but the one part of this that I really still feel like I don't have a good grasp on is how you sell it. How yeah, how you sell it. Specifically, how do you get anyone to buy these two other iPhones, especially because I also completely I completely buy into the fact that this top of the line iPhone, which we're calling the iPhone edition, is going to be really 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 supply constrained and is going to be really hard to get for a while and i think that the other two iphones are going to be more readily available than maybe some other iphones in the past have been and i'm just it, it, it's definitely a temporary problem it's only a problem maybe for like the rest of this calendar year but that but i don't know like that's still that still seems like a huge issue that i just don't know how apple's going to address yeah, so that's that's what I want to examine here because it it it's been well documented. Like I I think this the the iPhone edition or whatever it's to be called is is a, is a really dumb product, and it's Apple will be worse off for having made it. So and and also on the record, what what do you think it prices at? So I think it probably starts at ten ninety nine. And I think it goes ten ninety nine with 10, how much storage? Sixty four. Okay. I think it goes probably goes ten ninety nine, no. sixty four, and then either eleven ninety nine or twelve forty nine for two fifty six, and then either again another hundred or hundred and fifty dollars up to five twelve. Yeah. I'm gonna say nine ninety nine is one twenty eight, eleven ninety nine is five twelve. But see that or two fifty six. Nine ninety nine makes zero sense to me because doesn't a top of the line iPhone seven Pro already cost? I think is it like nine seventy nine? So you're really only gonna charge twenty dollars more? It's nine sixty nine for the two hundred and fifty six. Oh, oh sorry, gig. sorry, sorry. These details matter, man. <laughs> um God, that's such a millennial. Like, God, that, you're thinking like, oh, that's that's a slice of avocado toast. Well, but um, I mean, you you know what I mean in the grand scheme of I things. I do, that, I do. But, but but what I'm saying is that's for if we think about what what is the most popular iPhone 
like if somebody is is look is walking into a store and is looking for a premium smartphone and wants whatever you'd consider the most popular SKU of that smartphone, it would be the iPhone 7 128 gig, which retails for 750. That is what I think the competition is. Saying that you can get an iPhone 7 Plus 256 gig at 970, I think that's different because yeah, I'm not I, saying I'm not I'm not sure that this the I'm not sure that the iPhone I'm just going to run with this iPhone edition. Mm. I don't think that this is aimed at the average iPhone buyer. This isn't aimed at the person who just wants the 128 gigabyte iPhone 7. I don't okay. I I take issue with the, with saying just the iPhone 7 128 gig. I think like when earlier you were saying kind of like a a T word elitist type thing. I think that is potentially the uh the 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 swamp that you may be living in. Yeah, you got to drain that swamp. You do. You have to go look at some uh, mid range Android phones to kind of to understand where where the where the rest of the country lives. No, I mean I I do pride myself in when friends and family ask for you know tech recommendations. I absolutely do not just necessarily recommend what I buy. Well, so do you think the iPhone SE is ever the right choice for anybody? hundred percent. So then I think then I think in in your analysis and, and kind of like worldview, that has to be a product that exists alongside a world that exists with a twelve hundred dollar iPhone. It's it's the same reason why we live in a world where someone can buy a Toyota Camry or a Ferrari. I mean, there's just there's just ranges of there's just ranges of products that essentially do the same thing. It's but they don't come from the same company. That is my that is the central point that uh, thank you. Oh, I, well, I okay. It. Well, okay, fine. It. So isn't it like it's um it's Lexus and uh, Toyota, right? All come no. off the same production line. It's so you can buy, but it's the same uh, badge and the same logo. We're not. There's not like this is this is not going to be this phone's not going to come from. What's what's a higher end version of an Apple? This isn't going to be a Mango phone or something. Like I mean, it's 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 different. It's the exact same brand. Apple is a brand that has been making a product called the iPhone that for the past ten years has been considered, I would say, premium, if not even above premium in terms of quality and price point. That has been selling phones that have been between like six and eight hundred dollars for quite a while, and. For them to have introduced a more reasonably priced iPhone and also now say that we're going into like ultra premium phones, like okay, well, okay, fine. So, like, okay, so let, let me let me try to let's carry this car example through. So, I'm, I'm on Ford's website right now and I, I'm looking at the Ford Fiesta, which as you know is near and dear to my heart. You can buy the S sedan version, which starts at a little over thirteen thousand dollars, and then they offer a handful of other models. All the way up to the ST model, which starts at $21,000, almost double the price of the base model. Exact same, exact same car, but with a different, a different feature set. You are a numbers guy, and you know that, that, that $14,000 was 21 is not double. I said, I said almost double. If, if, if it's double, that's, that's 27 60, 60% more, whatever. It, it's, a, it's a huge, even on a percentage basis, a huge price difference. And I'm just saying that it's not... This is this is what product. There's a wide variety of products for different consumer preferences. So so let me stop you right there because if you think about the iPhone SE that retails for four hundred dollars, and you think what is a product that costs sixty percent more than that, it's six hundred and forty dollars, which is the iPhone Seven. 
again, I guess what, what we this has come up a few times in the last handful of episodes, which is, I, I guess I, I I'm with you in the sense that I'm I'm curious slash skeptical about how Apple is going to frame the selling of the iPhone edition, but more so in the sense that I just think it's problematic for selling the other two iPhones. But the the viewpoint that you're taking with basically being offended by it, I that I don't <laughs> that I don't get. I'm not offended by it. I just think it's a dumb product. It's because for the iPhone could is iPhone is current last quarter was 68 or 69 percent of total revenues. Is that accurate? Some, probably something like that. Yeah. Okay. So for a product that you've been selling so many uh, at at was already considered a premium price point, like I think it's kind of insane to then skyrocket that up. And again, think of like in compare this to conversations we've had maybe three months ago back when like the rumors were like, I, I think even you were maybe on the record of, like of thinking it might be like a $1,500 phone. And we've, we've ratcheted that back to being maybe a thousand to $1,200. Like, I just think that for a product that was already a premium product to then introduce something uh, that is either being priced. And, and this is maybe some frustration I've had with upgrade and, and how some other people have been framing it as saying that it's priced this way because they can't make enough of them and Apple just needs to get the money while the money's good, which I think, which is a dumb idea. I think overall, it just does more harm to the brand and the product line than good. Any more money that they can get off of selling a 40% margin phone that retails for $1,100, I don't think that overall, the extra money that you make from that unit sale by bumping the ASP to that price point helps compared to the number of people you're going to alienate based off thinking, well, I'm not going to upgrade my iPhone 6S because I'm not ready to commit the amount of money that I need for an iPhone edition. And I'm not going to buy these piece of crap iPhone 7S models that are basically the same thing I already have, except now they're more breakable because I don't feel comfortable investing um, a mortgage payment into a phone. I just think that overall, this does more harm than good for the product. If Apple is unable to distill and mass manufacture whatever they think the best in smartphones is at a reasonable price point, I think that's problematic. I I think you're making a valid point here, but I also look forward to, let's say, two, three months from now when you no, I'm gonna buy it. De- desperately want one of these things. No, I'm not going to desperately want one. I'm going to get it because <laughs> uh, hashtag FOMO. Like it's that like, like I'm still going to buy it because I'm an idiot. And this is the one thing like, like you, like I'm living <laughs> um, like Ryan's best life or whatever, whatever the Oprah thing is. Like y- you, you have um, liberated me to feel guilt-free about wasting money on the nice phone just because of your whole, like the Ryan doctrine of this is the device <laughs> I used <laughs> Sorry, there we go. I was, I was I was searching for something, and, and it's it's not quite Oprah. You know, it's the Ryan Doctrine, like the like the Monroe Doctrine, um, of this is the device I used most, so therefore it's okay to splurge on this one thing. Yeah. So I I agree, and I'm pro- like again because I just wouldn't probably be content with the seven S or whatever it is. I probably will buy this, but I think overall, like if I just think about consumer mindsets. And the psychology of 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 marketing, like and all this kind of stuff, I think overall it's a net negative for the brand, and I don't think the upside is worth what Apple thinks it is. I don't think any like like what like 
what is the thing like i think jason has said this a couple times like that like apple feels like they can't make the phone they want to make because they have to make it in such high quantities like i don't think the iphone edition is not like a concept car if we're going to keep going with this car analogy thing i don't think that if they make something that's like 12 or 18 months ahead of the game versus everybody else but it's really expensive like i don't think a company that sells 40 to 60 million units of a very valuable and profitable product i don't think that's better for the company and in the brand as a whole because i don't think that makes people want to buy the more affordable product i don't think envy of the iphone edition is going to drive sales of the iphone 7s right and i and i and i I, you know i've I've thought about this a little bit more since since um an episode or two ago where we yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about sort of the supply angle of the high-end iPhone. And now that I've thought about it a little bit more and now that I'm kind of really pushing all my chips in on this idea that this is going to be a 10-year anniversary edition of the iPhone, I think I think the 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 timing of when this is being released is is less about Apple wanting to have a phone that's 12 or 18 months ahead of the technology of their other iPhones. And I, I do really think it's, it's basically just all about the fact that this is the 10 year anniversary and that's why they're doing it. doesn't really have anything to do with supply or with the technology being a certain amount ahead. I think it's really all about wanting to market a phone around this, what Apple is going to consider to be a, a milestone. Even though I think the 10th anniversary thing does, um, does matter and will play in here. I think if that's the reason they're doing this, I think that's even worse reason than just wanting to make a really expensive phone. Well, and that's, I think, yeah, I think that that's what Gruber's maybe been getting at. So maybe, maybe that's, I'm kind of putting words in his mouth a little bit, but maybe if, if there's the opportunity for him to expand on why he thinks it'd be so troublesome, if that's the way Apple markets his phone, um, you know, but I, I, but I, I think that that's absolutely a, a, a possibility as to where he's coming from, and I, I think it is a, a somewhat valid concern. But I, but I guess in some way, the position that you're taking, which again I, I do think makes some sense, that's it's kind of more it's like it's Apple's problem. Like if Apple, oh, most definitely. So, so as a consumer, if Apple wants to kind of screw themselves over with not selling their other phones, I mean that doesn't hurt you or me well <clears throat> i think it does because i i my um i know this this sounds stupid but like i like uh because it's, it's a company not like something that actually matters but like i i want them to continue to keep doing well and and my my vested interest as a, somebody who lives in like the the apple mac ios ecosystem is i want them to sell as many units as humanly possible so that they continue to develop great products that deliver value to me because like if if because i like smartphones and mobile devices and just computers in general are not one-time purchases like you're investing in an ecosystem that you hope will continue to get better over time so if they completely botch this and they make a product that uh like has this osborne effect that's probably a, a poor use of the term but and and makes people want to move away from the product that they've continued to um sell more and more of every single year um like i think that's problematic i don't know like i so i think it it does affect consumer i i and 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 i just 
I don't know. I just don't want anything Apple to do anything super dumb. Like, I don't know. And I just think this is, this is just not. But again, we'll see. If 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 it's $9.99, like I think it is, and it's 128 gigs, and it's there's still compelling improvements to this. Like, I don't I, I hope that it's, I hope there's tons of clarity. Like, I, I hope there's, like, a, we've all just received, like, random, we've received, like, every fifth page of a really good screenplay. And that once somebody puts it all together, it makes sense, and it's a compelling case of why this product exists and why everything is like this. And it's not just just a, a mess and a weird alienating product. I think I I I don't think you're going to get that type of satisfaction. I think it's literal. <laughs> I think it's literally as simple as we now sell a good, better, and best iPhone. The best version is our 10th anniversary edition. End of story. I don't think it's going to get. I don't think it's going to get a whole lot more elaborate than that. And then I think the really difficult position they're going to put themselves in is over these next few months when it's going to be absolutely impossible even for the nerds like us to get the iPhone edition because it's so damn hard to find. It's just going to cause a lot of angst with people. But I, I, from Apple's perspective, I think that they'll just sort of look at that as a short-term issue and move on. Because the reality, I think, is a, a lot of what we're probably getting ourselves worked up about here is is the T-word inside baseball stuff. And at, at the end of the day, average consumers will just, they'll wait till they can casually walk in the store and buy the iPhone edition if they want it. Hard, hard, hard disagree, but okay. I don't really necessarily think that people are absolutely chomping at the bit every, every year like you and I are to get the new iPhone. I mean, certainly, I mean, judging by the lines and everything every year, certainly there is some percentage of the market that, that does do that. But is that, is that a material number to Apple? No, probably not. Okay. I, uh, just so we can move on. Like, I, I agree. I still, I, I just, I, I agree with that specific statement. I, I disagree with a whole lot else you said, but we'll see. Like it's, <laughs> it's not, sounds, sounds like our show. <laughs> Uh, that could be a pull quote for whenever we're, we're doing a press tour for this show. Um, uh, disagree with with basically everything each other says. No, I, I disagree. With, I, I agree with what you said this past sixty seconds. The rest of it is is complete uh, shit. <laughs> no, um, we're just not getting anything done. We have to reach across the aisle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not uh, Nan- Nancy and Chuck. Yeah, you're a maverick. Uh huh. Um, all right, so iPhone Pro Edition SKU. We already said you put what? What is Apple Music Bundle? What was that? Uh, there was an article floating around. I'll, let me look through the the thing. Um, uh, where is where is this here? Um, yeah, this is a, a nine to five uh, Mac article. Which then the, this is how you know it's true because it's an article on the internet which starts with analyst suggests, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which yeah, that that never that's never inaccurate. Uh, this is an analyst at Barclays thinks that Apple will um, bundle in some sort of Apple Music subscription with the the high end iPhone as a way of justifying that no. iPhone's higher price. Yeah, no, we you I think you and I you, no. you, you you and I can both vehemently agree on this that that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> I think they'll yeah they'll give give you a, a six month subscription to RDO. Now that's you know um, 
speaking of ways, much like how Gruber would be concerned about the iPhone, the, the iPhone edition, if it's heavily marketed on the back of it being the 10-year anniversary, I would be equally, in fact, I'd, I'd be more concerned about the iPhone edition if Apple leans into the music angle on this iPhone, kind of much like they did with the HomePod. Like, that's the turnoff for me with the HomePod is I don't, I don't give a shit about the music and like speaker quality aspect to it which appears to be what apple's focus is if, if the iphone edition is marketed as like the new ipod then th that's where that's where i'll be concerned yeah all right and then uh craig federighi taking over siri whatever um okay let's let's keep going uh uh juicero or Juicero, as you say, mm -hmm. um, is 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 no longer. They'll be shutting down, hoping to be acquired by uh, some type of. I forgot what their website said, but they 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 need the synergies of uh, an actual juice maker or something to acquire them. Um, Darth probably chalks this up to that they're not being a French fry French fry flavor. Um, yeah, so pour one out for uh, Juicero. And again, pour pour one out for that poor BD person at Pete's who decided it was a good idea to sign a partnership with them. Wait, who? Oh, Pete's, not yeah, Pete's. Pete's. I was like, what does Apple Music have? Or like Dr. Dre have to? Oh, that would have been the only thing that made this better is if Dr. Dre had a had a sponsorship thing with them. Uh, but yeah, uh, poor Pete's, man. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough break. Yeah, their cold brew's not bad though. Yeah um you tried the um the the fog cold brew no because the, the nearby uh pizza that i have access to is not a real pizza so their mm. quality is not um it's a it's a franchise pizza which i'm just not great well ne next time you're at a, a franchise pizza uh, if, if you like the cold brew i would i would recommend the I, th I think it's just called like the maybe it's like cold fog brew or something i don't know it has fog in the name and it's it's very good okay i'll, I'll take a look um let's burn through a couple other things um actually ios 11 i yeah ios 11 so that's when does that normally come out is it when is it like the week after the new iphone launches or in advance so let's, let's look at the so look at the calendar here while we're just putting some predictions in the ground so i think so the events to be the 12th i think pre-orders start that pre-orders start the 15th and i'm also gonna this is also I think wish casting, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. I think they're going to do something for the iPhone upgrade program members. I think, sorry, but I think you guys are going to get fucked. <laughs> which, I, which, like, we, which we did last year. Uh, I, thought you, I thought you had a good experience, but no, no like, I think I had in terms a, of. No, remember my experience? I had a terrible experience. I remember you were being picky about a yellow screen or something. Well, no, that, <laughs> well, that was that was a whole different thing. No, there was it was completely unintuitive about how you went through the upgrade process and I ended up buying a phone when actually all I needed to do was make an appointment to go into a store. People can go back and listen to those episodes, but no, that was a, that was a whole <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, um, the, arch the archives are free people. No, I think, um, we'll, I think we'll see. Um, I think we'll see the yeah, pre-orders for the, probably for everything actually go up the 15th. And then I think we'll see the phones come out probably that following Friday, the 22nd, which probably means that iOS 11 will come out the 20th, which would be that Wednesday before. Wait, iPhone comes out on the 20th? 
uh, iOS 11, the 20th. Oh, okay. And then and the, the phone the on the 22nd. On the, yeah. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds plausible. Maybe the 29th. I, I don't know, but let's we'll see. Maybe, but I'd, I'd probably say the 22nd. Yeah, but but honestly, I think in terms of iPhone Pro or iPhone Edition, I think anybody on the iPhone upgrade program is, is getting super screwed. Um, also, a uh, quick real-time follow-up, uh, your uh, cold fog drink, the small has 21 grams of sugar in it. Oh, that's too bad. I guess I had been paying more attention to the calorie count, which was pretty reasonable. Oh, that's, that's where you got to be careful. Yeah. Like when fat-free was a trend, except yeah. it's like 60 grams of sugar. No, that's yeah. that's a that's a very fair point. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. Did I mean re- to ruin that for you? No, no, that that's fine. That's fine. Uh, okay. What else? What else? What else? Um, yeah. So iOS 11, I I keep forgetting what's new about it, other than like because I have it on my on my work uh 6s plus, and it I just get really mad at it because like the the notification screen doesn't work how it's supposed to. Well, I think so. I think. He, I'm gonna put in another prediction here, I, I, and I, you're not gonna like this at all. But <laughs> I think the reason we haven't seen a lot that's new and exciting about iOS 11 is because 90% of what's new and what's going to be exciting about iOS 11 is going to be exclusive to the iPhone edition. Well, and and that's what worries me is because I think like the lock the the lack of home button on the iPhone Pro or whatever is the reason why the um, notification center like just like the pull down uh shade at the top of ios is now completely broken and unintuitive and i think it's all because of this one phone that's not going to sell a lot so that's a bummer uh but also yeah the one feature that i am super psyched about that is delayed i will remind people is uh i um i message in the cloud or whatever it's called which will be probably like an 11.1 feature or something mm-hmm. and then you had a thing about uh, whether you do a clean install of Windows versus restoring from iCloud when you get a new phone, what was that about? Yeah, so this was um, a piece in the Six Colors uh, Members magazine uh, for this month, where um, let me uh, where uh, Stephen Hackett as it was the author here, who um, talked about that he's thinking about doing a clean install of iOS 11 as opposed to restoring from a backup, which um, <laughs> very, very much reminded me of the days of periodically reinstalling Windows just to clean out all the cruft and bugginess. Dust out that the would... registry. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly, exactly. And I don't know, just reading that article, I mean, A, I, I very much disagree with the idea of doing a clean install of iOS with the idea that it's somehow going to be faster or better in any meaningful way. But putting that aside, and I and actually, to be fair to Stephen, I, I don't think that's exactly what he was getting at. I mean, he just, the, I think the quote I pulled here was that um, the idea of starting with a nice, clean device set up in a range to take advantage of all iOS 11 has to offer is a tempting idea. Which I, uh, fine, it's personal preference, but I'm not going to hate on that, whatever. Well, here's the thing, like, if, if iCloud or iMessages in the cloud was a thing, I would probably take, like, I, I would do that. Because, like, that is a thing, like, a lot of people do with Macs, like, is, like, when you set up a new computer, don't just install everything, just install stuff as you need it and kind of see maybe what you didn't need. I, like, I think that's a totally valid strategy, but losing yeah, all your messages I, is what's kind of 
I get I, I so yeah, I, I don't completely disagree with that, but there's so little harm and so little downside to having things installed that you don't necessarily need installed that I'm just I'm just not really sure that all that effort you'd go through to start clean is really worth it. Like, I'm not saying it's like the worst idea. I just don't it just, just doesn't seem like it's worth it. Whereas like with the Windows example that I was jokingly bringing up, that made a meaningful difference. Like that that was actually something that as a you know heavy Windows user, that was something that was legitimately useful to do every once in a while. Well, sure, yeah. But I just, I'm not really sure that this has that same value. Okay, yeah. I mean that 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 seems fair. I think I I think both sides. I, I think uh, yeah. There's there's valid arguments on both sides. Um, I will tell you though that um, and listeners can go back and listen to this from last year as well where I will be restoring from a backup made on my Mac, not in the cloud. Sorry, why is that? I, I, I couldn't get the cloud backup to work last year. It would just sit on the, the loading screen forever, um, which actually ended up working out fine because I hadn't tried a restoring from a backup from iTunes ever since they made the whole iCloud backup feature um, an option. And I had forgotten how much faster restoring from an iTunes backup is. It takes like a fifth of the time that restoring from iCloud does. Yeah, software updates through iTunes are a fool's errand, but no, doing device restores and backups is, is actually pretty smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're just the. I mean, the reliability obviously is the is the number one thing, but again, the speed is that that's what makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Because if there's one thing iTunes is synonymous with, it's speed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Speed and usability. Uh-huh. Um, no. And UI. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Um, and you want to do a talk of photography for a little bit? I, I, would, I would love to. I, I, have, I have so many questions for you. Well, and also, I, 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 I heard rumblings that like you're getting back into some stuff. Yeah, well, we, we can maybe get to that. Okay. Um, so yeah, photography is a fun hobby. So can I, um, so I, so I have a question for you right off the top, um, which I think maybe will lead to, to some of what we want to get into. So you, uh, just this evening posted some, some photos from your recent trip, um, to Facebook. And I, I want to know, I want to know your, your workflow for doing that. Cause I have to say not to to blow smoke up your butt here but the, i mean the 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 photos look phenomenal they look really really nice so what what's your what's your process in getting these up to facebook and making sure they they look as nice as they can uh you just you try to take a whole bunch of pictures you put, you put them in lightroom yeah you, you delete the ones you don't like and then you export like that's that's pretty much it. Like I mean, like I've had a problem, and you know, I think we've talked about this in the past. Where I will, whenever I do take out like my fancy camera, I will a lot of times they'll just get stuck in Lightroom because I don't actually want to like comb through what what I took and actually like tidy them up and export them. So that's mainly it. But that was kind of one of the whole points of this trip was to kind of like not plan and not do a whole lot, but just maybe go to a like a few cool low stress places and just uh, try taking some photos and have some fun with it. So no, so it's just. Um, yeah, just Lightroom, and then clean them up a little bit, and just uh, export. So you just you you export them instead of 
plugging Facebook into Lightroom, which you can do, right? You can. Here's the thing. I actually don't, not don't trust is the wrong word, but I greatly prefer to just spit out a whole bunch of JPEGs at whatever resolution that I want. And then, um, manually put those on to either Instagram or like, cause Instagram, I will try to think like, of just like kind of like the best few pictures I take and post them maybe like a few each day to Instagram. Um, and then I'll maybe put like a few more on Facebook and then just, I'll do like a dump to, to Flickr or something like that. Cause you got, you got to make sure people don't get, um, bombarded by, by it's it's like doing like a slideshow after like, you know, like back in the eighties, you assume people like did like the mad men slideshows for people. Uh you don't want to do that oh that was a good episode um but yeah that's that's pretty much it so what's the the so the the processing that you're doing in lightroom is that do you have some type of standard adjustments that you're making or what like what all are you doing well so how much how much do you use lightroom i'm just kind of getting back into it so that is one thing that you probably should explore more, which is just kind of playing around and like just like when you when you like empty your memory card into Lightroom and you get like a few hundred photos, you can then quickly comb through and it's nice to know the shortcuts in Lightroom so you can kind of think of like which ones are out of focus or you don't like or it's close enough to another photo where you want to get rid of this forty megapixel or forty megabyte raw image off your computer, and you just kind of comb through and it's maybe like color code and tag the ones that you really like and just see kind of where it goes so that actually let me let me see if i can send you a picture of something okay um so yeah just combing through and that's probably the easiest way to do it and you just kind of pick out the ones you like and tweak them a little bit like for me one of the things i do actually like to do is is try to get something that i can use as my own wallpaper like i don't know that that's always something that i really enjoy of having something that you stare at all day on a 5k monitor that is actually something that you took so when you say tweak them a little bit like what does that what does that mean um let me let me find one that i you would probably do well to edit out some silence oh the people people won't even know it's here exactly also slack uploads take forever yeah they they do so here i just sent a picture of kind of how i have my lightroom set up and you can see that like when you look at the grid view, like some of these have um, color-coded tags, some of them have flags on them, so you can see which, um, which ones were top picks. Um, and then I'll take one more, which is the um, develop mode, which is kind of where you would make the most adjustments that you'd want to make. Like, let's see. Okay, there we go. So I mean, yeah, like just, and that's, that's the one thing where you got to get an iMac, man. Because as as Darth said uh, earlier this week, like he, his Apple Watch will not unre- uh, will not reliably unlock his iMac, but that does prove that you do need one. I mean, how would how would you know? You don't even have Twitter anymore. Because uh, that was the day before I deleted it. <laughs> uh, that was like the final tweet I saw before I deleted it, and I was like, oh, God, this could be so disappointing." Um, but yeah, like because here's the thing: like when I was uh, like on the trip and like trying to do some like ad hoc and like combing through and um like quick parsing of the stuff that i was taking out of the camera it is so difficult to do on a 13 inch screen like it it was really frustrating because i'm so used to having a 20 a 27 inch screen to use lightroom on and it feels like barbaric to use anything smaller than that and i know that sounds like super 
super douchey. Yeah, but this this coming from the guy who's upset about the iPhone edition. But could could continue. Well, but that's totally different. Like a computer is uh, anyway. But no, but you can see on the last thing that I uploaded, like you just Lightroom makes it super easy. You can kind of tweak the colors and the tint a little bit, and you can. Um, I'm I'm a big cheater, and and I will generally try to pull down the black levels quite a bit, which adds like a lot of good realistic contrast to a photo that makes it look a bit more like what you remember. Hmm. But yeah, so that that's one photo I actually really like. Yeah, it's very 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 nice. So I mean that that's mainly it, man. And then um, the the I guess the, the final question here. So then the export settings to JPEG. Any recommendations there? No, no. That is the only thing is that uh, like yeah, you can you can tweak the the JPEG quality and that kind of stuff. That is the one thing I do like a ton about Lightroom is that you can export a whole bunch of photos in a very specific way. Like I, I once I narrow it down to the photos I like, you can go to the export menu and you can say like downscale all these to twelve megapixels, give them this certain name, strip out the metadata and that kind of stuff. So it's all very easy and it's 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 nice. Like Lightroom is no so no no recommended resolution or anything for photos that you then want to upload to facebook uh that i would probably like anything that's gonna get posted to the web is something that i would maybe down res um to like 12 megapixels because it's um useless thereafter but like the one that i just linked to that's on uh, aws like that is the one thing that i was saying that where um never rent a camera that you can't that you shouldn't be buying yourself is like this this was taken with the sony uh a7r2 which is a 42 megapixel camera that is like the detail on it is just absolutely insane. So you, yeah, so let's, let's get into that part of it now. So you rented a camera for this trip. Talk, talk about that. Well, so I currently, I, I've had the same Sony alpha 6,000, which I think I made a pick of the week, like, uh, like two months ago, which is a very good small camera, but it's, it's getting, it's from 2014 and I've had it for three years. And I was like, thinking, like maybe it's time to upgrade and do something else. But like the A7R2, which is a full frame upgrade, uh, which seems to make a lot of sense because um, I could either go one of two ways. I can get the A6500, which is the upgraded version of my current camera, but it is still mostly the same, same 24 megapixels and all that kind of stuff. Or I can get this, which is a lot better. But this is a $2,700 camera that um, I just, I can't just, I, like, I can't like buy it and return it. Like that's just not something that you would do. So there's a website called lumoid.com. Like there's a few people that will do this rental thing. Uh, but they're a good Bay Area based location where you can, like I think I was able to rent this one for, I think it's like $26 a day or something. And it was a good way to kind of evaluate the camera and, and take it with you without having to worry too much about it. Because once you reach like a certain price point in photography, like it, it's too, like, I don't know, like... It's very difficult to take a chance on something. Huh. Yeah, this is so that we'll put a link to the the notes here. So Lumoid and it, it, this is more than just cameras. They do like drones, they do headphones, they do kind of everything it looks like. Although camera cameras seem to be a big point of emphasis. Yeah, and this is the thing like where like some lenses are like just lenses can get into the thousands of dollars really quickly. Uh, where like that's actually something I'm thinking I might do like the next time I can get maybe like three or four days kind of to myself um, is just trying out a whole bunch of lenses because I do want to do some upgrades to my like photography setup um, and just kind of go nuts with that. But no, like this is a company that like, yeah, I had a great experience so far. Um, I, I mailed it back yesterday. So as long as I don't get charged the full cost of the camera, I think I'm good. 
But apparently, no, they have some type of investment deal with uh, with Best Buy. So that's kind of a um, a tieback that makes them uh, hmm. a uh, close to my heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's mainly it. Yeah. It's just, man, but this, the thing that sucks about this is that I made the huge mistake of, of trying this camera out is that now it feels like anything that's not this high resolution is, yeah. well, because the thing yeah. is like with the 5k display, like the native resolution of this computer is like five fifty one twenty by something like where like to have something that's like pixel for pixel, what should be displayed like as a wallpaper, like it's like 26 megapixels. I mean, I would even, I mean, we'll, I'm going to have more to say about this in the weeks to come as I'm getting more into this photography stuff, but I've, I've recently started, you know, playing around with Lightroom a little bit, which has involved, you know, looking at photos, both on my retina display and on my Dell monitor here at home. And even, even there, it's, it's kind of been a while since I've really started taking a, a really good look at photos on something other than just my iPhone or my iPad. And yeah, you, you do kind of forget like, Oh yeah, it, it's a lot easier for a photo to look good when it's shrunken down on a, you know, four ten inch screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, and just uh, like, and also like, even when like you have like you're editing in Lightroom on a five K iMac, like if even if you have a twenty four megapixel image, like once you try to zoom in on it, like the one to one zoom, like it barely even zooms in, which is really disappointing. Or it, it's just kind of like, oh, there's not much, to, like, even though there is a ton of detail in the picture, you're like, oh, there's not that much to look at. That's that's sad. Yeah. So anyway, I highly recommend that, again, hashtag old Ryan should go and get a 5K iMac to be to to follow Darth's lead. And uh, I don't know, get, do, you, do you have a camera right now that's a fancy camera? Or because I know you, I think you divested yourself of your DSLR like three years ago, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that this week at the end of the program as part of Picks of the Week, but then we'll, we'll, have, ooh, ooh. we'll have more to say about that Wait. in the weeks to come. Is your Pick of the Week probably like, um, let me, let me, let me, let me channel. It's okay. So you had a Ford Fiesta. You're super jazzed about the iPhone edition. I think you bought a Canon EOS T6i. Okay. You're on, you're on the right track there, but that's not what we're going to talk about this week. T7i? We'll, we'll come back to that in the future. <laughs> okay. Uh, you mean the future of later later this hour? Uh, well, no, no. This this is going to be something slightly different, though very much on the same topic. Got it. So yeah, anyway, that's it. If people want to check some stuff out, you can go to uh, Instagram slash C Gomez and look at some stuff. And then there's stuff on Flickr and then Facebook and other stuff. Probably not on Twitter because I, I don't know what that means anymore. I wonder how long I'm going to last. <laughs> what do you mean? Of not being on Twitter. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. All uh, right. So actually, let me see what else, what else we're running long, but that's, oh yeah, that was my last thing. Um, Is getting a photo printer for home dumb? Yes. It's probably dumb, right? It's dumb. Say, put, put that money towards getting a better camera. But the instant satisfaction. Because like to, I've got my little the, like. To, my, to, then to do what? To, like, cause I've got like my gallery wall, like I like where I have, I have like in my apartment, like I like. Your apartment's not that big. <laughs> No, because because neither is mine. Have I not sent you the picture? Like, I, like I think I've got like twenty or thirty different frames around the. It is nice to kind of um, print some stuff out, but yeah, yeah but you, but you can have them printed at Walgreens, and they're ready in like thirty minutes, and they're super high quality for like thirty uh, the cents. Quali the quality is not that good, and also they don't do like weird custom sizes. Like they're only thirty cents if you do four by six prints. 
anything else they charge you uh, like an iPhone edition for. So, okay. So give me an example of a photo printer that you'd be looking at buying. So I actually have no idea even like what these things cost anymore. Well, the, 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 the stupid wire cutter. Um, <laughs> because the, the one I was going to look at was the uh, wire cutter photo printers. Um, What's going to be the, like the Canon Pixma. Like I know they have one um, that's supposed to be good. And I think I actually, that came as part of a bundle deal when I bought my uh, Canon 60D. Um, but I ended up selling that. Apparently, this is the one that they recommend. It's $750. And the ink sets uh, in total, because it uses like seven ink cartridges, is $260. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. I love that. I, I love that. I hate driving to Target. I love Target. And I actually, I don't hate driving to Target, but I just know, I don't know. That, I know this is dumb. That's that's dumb. It's not you, dumb. It's dumb. You, you know me. Whenever, whenever you... Whenever you need justification for making a dumb tech purchase, I hope that you know that you can come to me much in the way that I think I can come to you. But 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 I would draw the I would draw the line here. Yeah, but you're you're being like Congress. Like, well, no, but like you're, no, you're don't, arbitrarily don't compare me to Congress. That's you're awful. arbitrarily you're arbitrarily drawing the line at what you think is a good use of money. You're you're trying to to pork barrel this into. I'm trying to remember all the stuff from from Congress, and it's not working. <laughs> Uh, what's, can, uh, do you remember what log rolling means? No. Oh man, you gotta, you gotta keep, gotta, gotta stay up on that kind of stuff. That's when you, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's the congressional, uh, term for like, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's called reciprocal voting. Got it. All right. That's, that's mostly it. Anyway, don't, don't, don't ever try using things that you probably shouldn't buy. That's always a dumb idea. So that, therefore don't ever go look at an iPhone edition. I don't look at. I appreciate. Don't, don't look. Not not to interrupt, but I just did one last thought here. I, in, in the wire cutters article, which you know we'll we'll put. Oh, a, it's just basically buying one is a dumb idea. Regardless. Yeah, you're right. We'll put a link to the notes here. But the the punchline here is spending eight hundred dollars on a printer to output files from a three hundred dollar point and shoot camera or a two hundred dollar smartphone is like buying a sports car for trips to the grocery store. You mean you mean it's badass? <laughs> uh, no, because no, that's that's like you know, like being uh, an aging man with a Corvette. Like that—that that is not what the situation is. Oh uh, <sighs> man, that's pretty pretty funny. Yeah, so this whole show's off the rails. All right, <laughs> but it's okay. I, I'm I'm gonna be a Seahawks fan this season. Ugh. So if anything, I I've learned a ton from this episode. Is that one guy, Richard Sherman, still on the team? He is. Yeah. Is he still as much of a kind of uh, and and uh, he was he was made out to be like a villain, right? Is he, is he actually a bad guy or is no? Kinda... He's he's not. He had one really kind of obnoxious moment after a victory a couple years ago, but otherwise he's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I think he's where most of I compared whatever... to compared to a lot of other guys in the NFL, he's he's good. Yeah, he he's no Tony Romo though. No, that's true. He he's he's not very good, right? He's he's not playing anymore. He's a CBS broadcaster this season. But don't you have to be accomplished before you can do that? Ooh. ooh. Yikes. No, that that's that's not that's that, that wasn't kind Yikes. of like a shade throwing thing. That was I thought you don't become that until cuz I like A-Rod doing like uh color commentary for for Fox Sports. Like that makes sense cuz he had even though he had kind of a steroid thing, like he had a decade-long 
pretty solid career. Wasn't Tony Romo like a quarterback for like three seasons and he was only good for like half of one? No, he was a quarterback for a lot longer than that. And he was good in most of those seasons. He was just injury plagued the last couple and had a couple of bad breaks in the playoffs. Got it. He 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 gets, I mean, I, I load the Cowboys, so it, you really put me in a bad spot to have to defend, <laughs> defend players that are from teams that I hate, but you know, the players themselves are actually okay. Tony Romo's a pretty good guy. Okay. Well, then who is Tim Tebow the one that's objectively not good? Uh, right, but again, a really like good person. But he, yeah, he's nowhere near the quarterback that Romo was. Okay, this is going long. So let's, let's, uh, you got anything else before we jump to picks of the week? No, let's get into the, get into the picks of the week. What are we calling it now? Didn't you have some alternative name? I think I was trying to get Chef Special to go on. But oh, I don't think okay. That's working. Yeah, we we can maybe come back to that. We'll, we'll keep workshopping it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um. All right. So I'll, I'll go first. This is going to keep the uh, photography theme going here. I will send you a link in the thing. Um. So as you know, I was um out to sea, as you would say, on my annual houseboat trip a couple of weeks ago. Um, and about four years ago, maybe I had invested in the Olympus TG2 waterproof camera, which at the time was the wire cutters recommended uh, camera, un- underwater camera, and was really, really happy with it. Got a ton of use out of it, took it on a ton of different trips, but had noticed in the last year, specifically last year's houseboat trip, that the photo quality, especially as things like the iPhone have dramatically improved over the years just really wasn't very satisfying and, and especially like the video quality was just not not nearly as good um, as it as it once was again just kind of by comparing it to other pictures that I was regularly taking so I decided that it was time to to upgrade that camera to the the latest version of this Olympus uh, waterproof series which is now the TG5 and bought it you know bought it a few days before the trip and and used it really for the first time on that trip and was super super happy with it um basically looks and feels the same as that tg2 the menu was very similar and so not not really like a ton of changes in the body or with the software but was exceptionally happy with the the photo quality and the video quality it it shoots it technically shoots 4k video but it only does it at 30 frames so it's it's not as not as useful what i found really really nice is it'll do 1080 at 60 frames and that video looks really really nice um also has a a really respectable burst mode you know nothing like you're going to get on a a dslr or on a mirrorless camera but for a what is essentially a point and shoot camera has a, a very respectable uh burst mode that i was that i was pretty happy with um so anyway you know on a on a trip like that um, it just it makes a ton of sense to have a camera that you can put a little floaty attachment to and just throw in the water and not really have to to worry about. Um, and you know, yeah, if if I can get you know another four or five years of use out of this camera, just like I did the TG two, I you know I'd be really happy. So two observations, like th- this is interesting. Uh, so this has GPS built in, which is super rare for for cameras. So that's that's cool. Also interesting that it's 12 megapixels which not not bad but also just because like uh, i I like point and shoot cameras because they're trying to like justify their existence 
have had like this weird race to the top with megapixels, even though the sensors aren't getting any better, which seems like a really nice restrained way to get like the best possible product. Right. So that's actually very commendable for Olympus. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, some of the, some of the things maybe I don't love about it, very similar to an issue I had with the TG2 is the lens fogs up really easy. So when you are using it in the water, it's kind of a constant struggle to keep the lens clean. Mm -hmm. And it's often the case where you'll go back to look at photos only to find that there was fog or some type of smudge on the lens. And that that's kind of disappointing. So I, I've tried to get a little bit better about looking for that as I've taken photos and, and made an effort to clean off the lens as I've gone along. Also, the, the instructions do recommend, which I think it did on the TG2 as well, but I wasn't as good about following, is it does recommend soaking the camera just in clean water after you're done using it for five ten minutes and i did that regularly throughout the trip and that that seemed to help a little bit as well um and then the other the other thing which is pretty disappointing is the um wi-fi connectivity it has so there's a (laughs) there's an and i and i we're going to get more into this in the in the coming weeks as we get more into photography but so this this has been my first so I I I have not had a, a point and shoot camera or a DSLR camera or any sort of standalone camera before that's had Wi-Fi. This was my first one. It's universally terrible. Yeah, man, my goodness. And I it, I went into it with modest expectations. I mean, let's let's be honest. The the number one advantage that the iPhone has is the fact that your photos are just instantly there. And now with iCloud, they're instantly backed up and they're put into albums for you. I mean, like. I wasn't expecting this to be that type of experience. So I, I went into it with, with those modest expectations, but my gosh, it's so slow. It, it it's, it's a pain in the ass to even get connected in the first place. It's just, Oh, is, is the app at least uh iPhone six plus optimized? I think it is. Yeah, okay. I think it is, but uh, it's just such a, it, like it, it was to the point where, because I, because I, because I, because I, I, I played around with it a little bit before we left for the trip because I wanted to make sure I knew how to use it and could instantly get it connected. I was actually doing this mostly with my iPad, mm-hmm. which I brought on the trip too. And it got to the it got to the point where I literally thought about the day before we left, going to the Apple Store and buying that stupid, uh, Lightning to SD card like of the photo kit. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like fifty bucks. I was like, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but like that's how that's how bad the the Wi-Fi thing is. Yeah. Um. It does. It does. The the one thing I'll give it credit for, which I I think is pretty neat, is that it does on the fly convert the photos. I mean, because because iOS can't read raw files, can it? It can. Oh, okay. I guess I was I assumed that it was doing some type of conversion from raw to JPEG on the fly, but maybe Well, most most cameras will that you can do that shoot raw will do what's called a sidecar with an a JPEG of whatever your So that's choice is. So yeah, that that's what I was doing with this is I was shooting in raw with uh JPEG. I did did not a sidecar was the term, but um yeah, that's hmm, that's actually pretty interesting. I and that's yeah, that's kind of like the price point on this kind of makes sense. Like it, it seems a little bit pricey, but not, not, not terribly for a thing that you like. If you had such good luck with the old one, and you're thinking this is a, this is a camera for five years, probably that's not bad. 
And also this this seems to be like this is the one place where a point and shoot makes sense. So if they need to charge a little bit of a premium for it because they're not going to sell millions of these, that doesn't seem too bad. I think I think it's about a hundred dollars too much to just really wholeheartedly recommend. It it is a little on the pricey side. Um but exactly like you said, the kind of shockproof and waterproof features of this camera are the the main use case there still is for having a standalone point and shoot camera. And I go on enough trips where you want to be able to take pictures near water or underwater where, um, you know, I want a camera like this. And, and in fact, what I would say is that over the course of the four years that I had that TG2, I had a couple of different DSLRs and of course I've had my iPhone and some of my favorite and most memorable pictures have come from that TG2. So, you know, I in in that way I think it's 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 worthwhile having a a camera like this. It's the camera you have with you. Yeah, it, no, totally, exactly. Um yeah, Amazon reviews are funny. Okay. Uh well cool. Yeah. Um actually last thing, battery life acceptable it was good it was really it was really good um i think i charged it maybe once during the trip and was using it wow was using it fairly regularly um and it never really got down all that low like i I was i kind of just made it a habit to charge it kind of when i thought about it but yeah overall uh pretty good all right and then black or red black all right, my uh, chef special. We I got we got to pick a better name because <laughs> uh, picks of the week. Like uh, anyway, um, uh, begrudgingly, I'm going to say Apple AirPods. Yes, I I hate them. They look really dumb, but they're amazing. Yep. They so and and people like trust me. Like I really want to dislike them because they do. They look so dumb. Like they look really dumb, but because of the design in the sense that like it, it's a case makes them so much more useful. And like just uh, for the past month, but specifically while traveling, like it's just so many times when I would have either said, no, screw this. I don't want a tangled pair of earbuds in my pocket. And every other time when I would, I would not like, I love my Bose sound sport headphones that are wireless for running and that kind of stuff. Like I would never put those in my pocket, but because the AirPods come in this small, sleek little white case that always keeps them charged and you can never really misplace them, they get used in so many situations where you probably wouldn't have bothered with any type of headphones otherwise that they are fantastic. There's like no noise cancellation, which is a bummer. Like they're not great for that type of thing. There's no noise isolation. They're they're earbuds. But like they pair immediately. The sound is fine. But the convenience is outstanding. Yeah, I I also can't say enough good things about the AirPods. And I, I think I've mentioned this on the air before when we've talked about them. One thing that I really, really enjoy about them is using them on phone calls, which I've. Huh, You're going to disagree, I, okay? Um, well, no, no, I've never tried it. I just would assume the mic quality is bad. How is it? Well, well, I you'd have to ask the people that I talk to, I guess. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never, I've never received any negative 
feedback and I've done like you, you will use them for conference calls. I mean, I've used them for phone interviews, many, many phone oh. interviews. So, um, um and yikes. I, that's, hmm. and I, I just, I think as I've explained before, I just, I find it really weird whenever you're using a headphone that's sort of impeding your ability to hear the sound around you. I just find that creates a situation where you can't hear yourself quite as well. And so it just, it, it's just, it's not a very good experience to then try to talk over the, on the phone. Um, but with the AirPods, I guess the positive spin of them having zero noise cancellation, which in, in, as you mentioned, a lot of situations is not ideal, but specifically with making a phone call, I find that to be a really, really pleasant experience. And I love using them uh, when I'm, when I'm making a call, whenever I'm on any sort of longer call, I almost always use the AirPods. And can you save me some Googling? Is there any way, is, is the only thing that you can do through tapping them to turn on Siri? Like, is there any way to play pause? There is. So how it's, um, it's really annoying. So you <laughs> have, sigh does not instill a lot of confidence. Well, no, it's just, it, I sigh cause it's just not intuitive at all, but you go into your Bluetooth, uh, settings in iOS you find your AirPods, you click the little um, information, little I button next to them. You, I just realized you have to have them paired to do this. Um, mm-hmm. But when you do that, when they're paired, it will take you to a settings screen. And like the one setting that you can change is what to do when you double tap the AirPod. And by default, it's Siri, but you can change that to play pause. Oh, so you lose the Siri ability if you do that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I've never actually intentionally used Siri with them, so I don't know, maybe that's that's worth it. I, have, I haven't intentionally used Siri at all in a long time. With Alexa, why do you need to? Right. I feel so bad in the car when I want to talk to Alexa, but I can't. <laughs> Very disappointing. Um, okay, that, thank you. That's that's a good... All right, that, that made this whole, <laughs> this whole episode worth it. I'm not sure that was a feature that was out of the box or if that's something they added shortly thereafter, but... Um... In any case, it's not not intuitive at all to find. Yeah. I think I've been to the screen before because that's how I renamed them Goofy Earbuds. <laughs> all, right. all right. This was an informative four-hour long podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably we'll prepare folks for another long one next week as we dissect the event. But then, um, well, actually, there might be a few long ones because then we'll be buying all this new stuff. And, well, we'll, you know. I think the pe- the people like people like this time of year. It's okay. I actually think the next one's probably be super short. I'm because it's you're you're going to talk for a bit, and then I'm just going to be saying the F word a lot. You're just, just going to hang up. <laughs> it's it's going to be so upsetting, or it's going to be amazing. It's probably going to be upsetting. I think it's going to be amazing. <laughs>